Why do you think it's always the silent farts that stink and the loud ones are not as bad? I, I think there's a there's an inverse relationship between the the volume or the decibel level of a fart and the the stench level of a fart. You know, meaning that the louder it is, the less stench it has, the less stench it carries. But the quieter it is, the more stench it carries. I'm trying to figure out why. I'm wondering, is it a propulsion thing? Like maybe if it's you know you just have that much like power behind it that actually forces it outside of the room before anyone can even true smell it. You That's know? true because it could be that like. The silent ones, they don't come out with as much ferocity, so they just kind of linger. So that's why like, when yeah. you walk around, you ever heard of cutting the tail? Like when if you rip cutting if you tail. if you rip a quiet one, you gotta wave your hand across your butt to cut that to cut the trail. Oh, that way I see. You leave it somewhere, and you just, you gotta leave. You just, I see. So when or, you do that, it just separates it, and you've got this little floating ball. Yeah, of, but you gotta get away from it because if you don't cut the tail, it's gonna follow you, and they're gonna know. That is a good tip. Or uh, for if anyone you listening. Wanna, if you want to get some revenge, you could always crop dust. That's always fun. Hey, welcome to Zag Guys. My name is Greg. My name's Nick. We're back with more fart jokes. Yep, not even jokes. That was actually really good life advice. These are these are life pro tips about farts. Want to get back at someone? Crop dust them. Mm-hmm. They'll never know who it was. Just fart, 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 and walk. You find yourself at an expensive dinner and then realize the oysters were not as fresh as you thought. Cut the tail. Cut the you tail, cut the and, tail walk away. and you just leave little balls of fart just around the room, and you be nowhere near them. In fact, you just you go outside, you light a cigarette. And as soon as somebody notices, you don't even need to smoke. You just need to have a lit cigarette. And somebody comes out like, "Oh man, it smells terrible." And then you're out there like, "Yeah, I don't know. I've been smoking out here for you know 20 minutes. You know, it's, <laughs> I wonder how that happened." I don't know. As soon as you light it, <laughs> you light it, you just explode. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess gotta go out here to pretend yeah, I'm smoking. Yeah. <laughs> and it all goes up in flames. Yeah, maybe not. That's a bad life pro tip. Anyway, Greg. Yeah. Got a theory for you. Good. You might have heard of this one. It's an oldie, but a goodie. It's an we'll, oldie with a goodie. We'll go for the classic, classic theory today. This is one of those like um world altering style theories that are I feel like you have a preference for those, which I, I appreciate actually, because I'm a little more like niche but i think mm. yours are all like this is the end of everything which well, like, yours, I is feel a like part of it are a lot more grounded in reality and there are Maybe. more of those conspiracies that you can think like huh that might be real but this one is like one of those ones that's like it's one of those ones that has so much information over such a long time that you're like how is this not real but also how is it real like then, it's just like Come on. Then I'm going to give you the whole episode to, to exp- oh, yeah. do, do a full-scale expose on this theory. Because this one is very much based in folk- folklore as well. Because it's it. very old. It's from It started in the 17th century. Oh, that old. Is where it's based in. It's very old and has since grown from there. Hmm, okay. It's based, out, it's based from old myths, old religions, old... Is this about fairies? No. No. Okay. Wait. No, 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 no okay. fairies. All right, no fairies. Gnomes? Um, Those crafty little gnomes? No, but giants. Giants? Giants. Like me. That's um, my family. Yeah. So no, no, I'm this not is that about the story of the Gregories. The Gregory family. Gregory and the Amazons. I'm only, but I, actually, you know what? That might be my, my family, my mother's Wonder from Brazil. Greg? And so, like, there might be some Amazon blood in well, me. This, I don't know. Uh, maybe I was, that's why I'm so tall. I was going to say this um, This theory actually is, has some um, Brazilian folklore in it that I'm going to touch on. Ooh, I might have actually heard this growing up as a kid, so it's this not, would be really interesting. It's not as big, but it is, it is there. 
It's not as prevalent, but it does show up in Brazilian culture, like ancient Brazilian culture. Well, I'm going to metaphorically hand you the keys and let you take this baby out for a spin. Let's go. Let me start you out with this. You ever heard of Hollow Earth? I have. You have? Mm -hmm. What do you know about it? Tell me what you know as a base. Okay. What's your idea of Hollow Earth? I mean, there's lots of, I mean, lots of ideas. When I think of Hollow Earth, I think of like journey to the center of the earth and they go down there and like, there's like another earth sort of. You're right. It's like another world and they've right. got dinosaurs and crap. And that's pretty much correct. And yeah. so, so yeah. So, mm-hmm. and journey to the center of the earth is based off of the guy who wrote that book. I think it was Jules yeah. Verne, right? Actually it was, was it Jules Verne? He, he did 20,000 leagues under the sea. I, I think he and did around the world the in 80 days. He, he, he might have. Let's let's fact check really quick. I think it was Jules Verne, though. Actually, if you if you are looking for some writing to read, just kind of pick up a classic. Yep. Yeah, pick yep. up pick it up was... a Jules Verne collection. It's actually really well written. Mm-hmm. They're really good. Good um, stuff. And yes, it was Jules Verne. Oh, and nailed it. It was written in 1864. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He a wrote long a time lot ago. of good fantasy books. Yeah. Did you know? Actually, Disney based a lot of his movies and rides off of they wanted to base a lot of disney world's rides off of jules verne novels yeah because they did uh wasn't disney the one that did around the world in 80 days yep that was the jules verne novel and they did did, did 20,000 leagues under the sea too yeah Yeah. you're right when disney was alive he was a huge jules verne's fan oh i get it man i've got i've got it on my kindle app i've got like the whole complete works of jules verne yeah they're really they're really cool stories like yeah they're they're like I, I know they're old but they're really fun to read today they're still good stories yeah and since we're getting into this literature club here a little sooner than planned but here we are um another one you know arthur conan doyle he wrote the sherlock mm-hmm. holmes novels right he has a, a less known novel called um the lost world Man, I feel like I've heard of that. You got to read this one if you haven't. It's Arthur Conan Doyle, but basically it boils down to uh, deep in the Amazon rainforest, which I guess resonated with me because I've been there. So deep in the Amazon rainforest, there's a plateau that is outside of time, like as in like everything from prehistoric times lived on on this plateau. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very interesting. Um, Oh, The Mysterious Island was Jules Verne novel, too. That was another good one. I think they did do a movie that. Anyway, uh, let's just uh, let's just move on. Yeah, we got to we got to get this cranking. So, yeah. Hollow Earth is a theory that relates way back to the 17th freaking century, man. It is based or even earlier than that. I think the 16th century. It starts back with the Greeks. Oh, so so way earlier than that. Yeah. So basically, just to give the quick synopsis of how it kind of developed over time is that the Greeks say that there were caverns that led to the underworld uh, and different gods lived down there. Mm. Um Hades and whatnot. Yes. And then like in, and then it goes on to like Celtic mythology, um, Ireland, Ireland had a gate to hell, like in the mountains and in different catacombs, they would just Mm. plummet straight down. They were most of the places related to the underworld or like in Dante's Inferno. Yeah. uh, The nine layers of hell consisted of going through the earth Mm -hmm. into like a boiling, like into like the pits, the fiery pits of hell. So it's like the core of the earth was very hot as where the opposite of the well at, at the end the final layer was actually frozen solid right which but but you're but you're right yeah, i mean so, like that's, like, it's that's all based the gist of it that. he's in a meadow and virgil leads him into hell mm-hmm. so uh, most, also very interesting read if you haven't read that since high school literature check it out it is interesting it yeah. is harder to read because it is so it's old very old um but it's also based there's also uh, stuff in Hindu and a lot of in the Middle Ages from like German myths. It's all kind of is about the same thing, traveling into the earth. 
to get to some alternate spiritual plane. And a lot mm-hmm. of it's just based in folklore. Yeah. Um, but it starts getting more factual towards the 19th and 20th century when there's actual accounts of people visiting and returning from hollow earth. Some of them were proven to be debunked, but um, it relates back to places like the Bermuda Triangle is an mm. entrance to hollow earth is why so many things disappear. Why Amelia Earhart disappeared. Wait, is this what really happened to Amelia Earhart? Uh, possibly. Dude, this, yeah, we're going to blow this case wide open. Yeah. And so there's also ones based in native American mythology and the Brazilian it says Brazilian Indians. I don't know. Um, the, the natives of Brazil. It says right? those who lived alongside the Primera River in Brazil claim that their forefathers emerged from ancient times from an underground land that many of their ancestors still remain inside the earth. Um, ancestors of the Inca and located to the east of the of Cusco, Peru. So a lot mm. of the Inca's ancestors and a lot of the Brazilians come from this land and inhabited the surface world. So again, a lot of this is just mythology and cool folklore. So then we start getting into um, the 18th century, the 17th and 18th century with a man named Edmund Haley, who kind of actually kind of gave it a scientific approach as to why okay. this is. So With a name like Edmund Haley, you know, this guy, this guy does his research. Mm-hmm. So he was a scientist. So let me, where, where am I looking? Where, I have a lot of articles pulled up right here. ba 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 yeah, so in the 17th century, Edmund Haley uh, discovered one of the... Uh, so he discovered um, Haley's Comet. Oh, that Edmund yeah. Haley. Yeah. Oh. So he also kind of solidified this theory into in, uh, in science, kind of gave it a more scientific mm. approach as to how this could be possible. So he believed that the uh, Earth consisted of several concentric shells all containing their own individual atmosphere with the outermost, the layer we, the layer we live on being 500 miles thick of hmm. like different stones and stuff like yeah, that. different yeah. stones, magma, lava, all that junk. Cause we can go down a fair, a fair depth. Yeah. The farthest and recognized, like, you know, this is the topsoil. This is the, the bedrock, you know, all that. All I know is that we haven't, dr- the farthest we've drilled has not reached past the crust we've had never reached i don't know oh, what the really? next layer is but the thing the deepest we drilled without like going into a pre-made like cavern or anything the deepest we've been yeah. able to dig i think is 10 miles without huh. like us without equipment like exploding due to or, pressure or and melting stuff. or melting whatever and stuff get like too that. hot well what's interesting because i'm i mean i might be jumping ahead here but wouldn't we be able to use um like ultrasound equipment to be able to like Instead of drilling down, but to actually like send sound waves through and see, you know, if it, if there's an yeah. echo or something down there, that's like, whoa. Well, yeah, that's how heck? we were able to determine the layers of the earth. I see. So okay. we're able to determine those different layers of stone. The thickness based on what frequency we can get through. Right. Okay. So, um, and you'd think like, oh, well, then we wouldn't be able to see like, oh, you hear all these sound waves and there's just this big open space in the middle. Like, like, wouldn't we be able to detect that? But... You can only send sound waves so far, and 500 miles is a long way. 500 miles through solid material. In fact, I I can't think of a sound that went past 500 miles except maybe Krakatoa when it erupted, because that's the loudest sound in recorded, not even recorded history. This is the loudest sound in history. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that went about 500 miles. Kaboom. But anyway. Kaboom, baby. Kaboom. All right, so I'm going to spout out a lot of information real quick so then we could talk about it. So basically, he said there was a lot of multiple layers on top of the Earth, all moving independently of each other, all making their own atmosphere. And basically, inside of this sphere, there was a civilization called the, just uh, so many different like accounts say like different things live there, but they call it the same thing. It's called um, Argatha. No, Ar- Agartha is basically the land it's called. Mm-hmm. Basically home to the Argarthians, which are these like very tall, very um, like gigantic st- type of people. And they're an ancient culture that have lived and existed for thousands of years and are also um, like... They also explain a lot of the alien encounters because they are a very advanced civilization and they're actually the caretakers. They make sure we don't kill ourselves. So that's why... Well, they're doing a crappy job right well, about now. Well, the thing is, once... Um, like, during World War II, after we dropped our atomic bombs on Japan, they intervened to make sure that we're not going to ever do that again. Because we can't. They said, you will destroy your world and ours if you do that again so they have intervened and we there hasn't been another two atomic bombs i know but since those two Hmm. we haven't launched an attack with atomic weaponry since then this is this is eerily similar to um norse mythology Mm -hmm. because i read through a whole book of norse mythology it's actually fascinating it's just it's just kind of a fun read like um, Thor, but, Odin, all that junk. Yeah, all that stuff. It's not at all like Marvel makes it look. Like well, it's, yeah, it's just, very, you know, this is from a couple thousand years ago. Not even. It's like fifteen hundred years ago. Uh, but yeah, like they've got they've got where the gods live, which is Asgard. There are actually supposedly nine worlds, right? There's Midgard, mm-hmm. which is where we are, the humans. There's Asgard, which is um, where the gods live, and there's Jotunheim, which is where the giants live, right? And mm-hmm. the giants basically, there's different types of giants, and the giants basically keep the whole thing going. And the gods are at odds with the giants, and the people in Midgard are none the wiser. We just kind of like, you know, whatever the gods decide to do, whatever the giants decide to do, if they're all at war, which is Ragnarok is the end of the world, where the giants and the gods all fight, and everything's destroyed. And we're kind of just like, well, that's what it is. So it's interesting that, like, you know, you've, we've got this other idea of, of the Agarthians, which is this race of giants that live concurrently to us mm-hmm. and their actions impact our actions and ours impact theirs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's like one thing is that they impact our world. Another is that they're completely separate and it's like they they don't, they're unaware of us and we are unaware of them. Like we don't have proof that that's there and mm-hmm. we're completely separate and kind of the way it works is that how this works in the most understood way is I actually have a diagram pulled up for us to um, look at here so but so if if they don't know about us like when the atomic bombs did drop were they just like you know having having tea at breakfast or whatever and then and they like just had like an earthquake or something yeah and then every like like a big hole was ripped through the ceiling like what the hell you know like <laughs> what's, what's going on over there <laughs> keep it down these yeah keep it down put like a broomstick and it causes like another hey, quiet like, you if they're giants are like they poke it up and right. it causes like a tidal wave right they they, they form new mountains just like, by poking their hey keep it down <laughs> So here's a diagram, and uh, let me find a better one that has a little more color. Oh, actually, it's fine. That's a lot of color. So basically, come on, man. I don't care about copyright. Um, so basically, how it, so the, 
the whole civilization itself exists like on the up out inner layer of our outer layer. So they're kind of a inverse world. So like they're walking upside down on our yes crust, not crust, but bedrock. Yes, and so and I the see. core acts as the sun, as their sun, the core. Weird. Of the Earth. Yeah, and so they basically, but they're not able to, to them. It doesn't feel like they're walking like up a wall oh, yeah. because it's still big enough to feel just that like way. if you're like I mean when you go to Australia it doesn't feel like you're on the bottom of the planet you don't feel like you're upside down exactly you know so to them um, they have oceans they have a sky they have basically everything we have but they're just on the inside of the planet and so then and then there's they also have apparently they have stars and stuff and I don't don't quite understand how they have that and everything but. Mm people then have the theory. It's like, well, how do we know we're not living inside another planet? And they were like, well, that's a theory. It's a planet and a planet and a planet, more turtles on turtles kind of theory. But we've been to space. So this is true. So that one makes me think like, ah, but have we been to space? Yes. Mm, no. Have we been to the moon? You can literally look at outside and you can see the international space station floating by. Is that really there though? Okay, that's another. That's another. <laughs> no, topic. the theory would be that we didn't land on the moon in 1969. We've definitely been to space since then, though. Yeah, I I don't believe that we haven't been to space. The moon's another story. The flat Earth folks, this will blow the flat Earth movement wide open. Like, guys, check it out. It's not flat. It's like a rolled up tortilla, <laughs> right? And so, really, there's people on. Both sides, so man. So it's not a flat earth. Think of us as a bread bowl. Yeah, we're a bread well, honestly, bowl Honestly, yeah, think of it as a bread bowl because how it works is that there's actually two entrances of the North Pole and the South Pole. So note how, like, nobody goes there. So Well, yeah. And um, there's no land on the North Pole. It's all it's all uh, sea ice. Exactly. But, or or um, ice floats, whatever they're called. I but, can't think of it. So there, were, um, there was an account uh, back in... During World War II, um, so during uh, between the time of the Great Depression and World War II, there was a na- a man named Richard Byrd of the U.S. Navy. Uh, he was piloting an expedition to the poles. Uh, he was he had taken a number of trips towards the Arctic territories. He was a pilot, so he flew towards the North Pole, and he was to set he was going to set a flying record to fly over the North Pole. So, according to his alleged diary, he written written during his polar flight, Boyd came across a warm, lush, as he was flying, just, he's flying over the North Pole, the next thing he knows, he's not over ice caps anymore, he's suddenly in a lush climate with giant mammoth-like creatures and and large human-like ancient creatures that were residing in this, on this land. And when, when was this written? Uh, in between the Great Depression and World War II, so That's early weird. 1900s. So, I will say people have been to the South Pole. Like that's like a that's not an uncommon expedition is to actually go to the South Pole. Right. And like like it was a lot harder back then. Like Shackleton did it and that was like in like nineteen oh one or whatever, and that was really difficult. But now like, you know, it's easier. Well apparently a lot of the entrances are covered. I see. So if you're sometimes if you're going through this entrance, it has to be a certain way. So how So if you go to the South Pole, bring yourself a shovel is the point. Not necessarily because the way he did it. So how these holes work is that. So the world, sorry, flat earthers, the world is a sphere mm-hmm. and it all combines into this hole. So if these holes on the top and the bottom, so if you were to continuously fly North and then there's gravity also on the inside, you would just flip 
in oh. the inside without even realizing that you did that. That's interesting. So that's what happened to Bird. So he was oh. flying north and just kept going and went inside the earth. Hmm. Um, I think it's different for the South Pole because the South Pole, according to this diagram, so like see how the north is very open, but down mm -hmm. here there's a much smaller entrance. Which makes sense because in the north it would just be the sea. Down there there's actually a landmass, exactly. Antarctica, for the South Pole. So there's a much smaller entrance. And then um, there's different like cave-like entrances. Uh, ones based from like different folklore, like in certain mountains or volcanoes. Mm -hmm. uh, things like that are also passageways to, um, to Agartha. Interesting. So this, there is so much information about this. Um, but basically, uh, this guy, he flew into there and he landed there he spoke with the people and he came back and they told the people in agartha told them to tell the world about them they wanted them to know they were there so but for these people it's like this tiny this tiny you know dwarf flies in on a tiny little plane and gets out and it's like hello there it's like that well, must have freaked him out well according to the story um when he was flying um they um he was flying in and they intercepted him in a saucer-shaped aircraft, a UFO. Oh. So, like I said, it might not be aliens. It might just be the Agarthians inside the Earth that are responsible for most UFO sightings. Interesting. So it's not aliens. It's inter-aliens. Intralians. In, in, Insidians. So That's technically they're just Earthlings. Yeah, they're just like us. Just like you and me, except really tall. Like me. Probably better looking. Well, I'm not going to say that, but... Like I would, you? I might, no, no, I might get along with them a little bit better than, you know, someone who's 5'11 and 0.99. So they uh, they commandeered his plane and they made him land. Um, and the Agarthians are very aware of the human race. Was this was this like a like a you know police flying saucer? It's like, it's like, please pull over, you know? Kind of land your tiny plane, you shrimp. It's like, I will step on you. Please step on me, senpai. <laughs> oh my gosh. Whoa. That, so, that wasn't a thing in the 1920s. Oh, you never know. Hey, I wouldn't give you for a good foot stomp. <laughs> I give you two dimes and a nickel. Let me get a whiff of those jimmies. What is that even? What is that slang for? I don't know. Feet? Yeah. Let me get a whiff of those tootsies. That's yeah, there we one. go. That's a good one. Okay, so this is better because it was before World War II. So the Agarthians, in Bird's diary, he expressed that um, the Agarthians expressed concern that the that the humans were going to use atomic bombs in World War II, which hadn't happened yet. Hmm. And he wrote that down in his diary, saying like, "Really, these people are they the humans are going to use atomic bombs in some way in World War II." And they're concerned about that. And he wants me and they want Bird to be the ambassador to the U.S. government um, to tell them that we should be concerned. So did, did he go to the government and be like, hey, you shouldn't drop a, an atomic bomb? Uh, yeah, he went to he because he was setting a record. So when he came back, he was very um, concerned um, and. He told the government, and basically nobody nobody believed him. Well, of course not. <laughs> but he did go and say that. Um, the only so, but there were some issues 
issues to his validity. So his diary entry started, um, this diary entry was dated February, 1947. It It was to be believed that birds inaugural flight over the North pole and then one <laughs> sorry this is uh okay so he said he made his inaugural flight but not his record setting one 20 years earlier in 1926 um upon further inspection it appears boyd probably didn't quite reach the north pole in his record setting flight instead fabricated his navigation records poached credit from another team that actually set the record a few days later but what Mm. makes this entry so intriguing is that if it is real it could have potentially been misconstructed from misconstrued from a later mission to antarctica Hmm. well here's here's where i'm like if it was dated 1947 that was after we dropped the atomic bomb because we dropped it in 1945. True. So he may have been like, oh, hey, I had news about this before it happened, but he really told everyone after it happened, so like yeah. he might have so just been saying that. That's one of the bigger like accounts, but again, it's very... That is, that is interesting. Though. It's interesting, but it's easily kind of debatable, yeah, can, and it's yeah. very inconsistent. Um, he And another big theory is that... Um, the Nazis actually reached the center of the earth and there's documentation to show that it might have, might have happened. So I need to see this, you know, that the Nazis were into some weird shit. Uh, they, yeah, were, dude. they were trying all sorts of stuff, experiments and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And that the Americans, we Americans hired Nazi scientists to, do our crazy experiments later right. after the wars. That, that's actually, that's another theory I was going to talk about on Minesweeper, but that is a hundred percent true. Oh, if yeah. you didn't know that Nazi scientists after world war two, some were recruited by the U S government and later contributed to uh, the project known as MK ultra. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that, that's crazy. true. That's not even a theory. That's a hundred percent true. Uh, so how the Nazis got there. So they were wanting to explore the, Arctic regions as well, because they wanted to set up base, bases and test some novelty weaponry and some experimental weaponry. And this mm-hmm. is also, all of this was documented by Hitler himself. Hmm. Um, there's also some theories to say that Hitler actually came from the Argatha and is a demon, but blah, blah, blah. That's, that's a little out there. What? They say this is, this is a deeper rabbit hole, but it's, yeah, people do say that. Um, but, Regardless, there was a Nazi map um, that was believed to be instructions on how to reach Agartha. And supposedly, there was a uh, there was a letter sent from a German U-boat navigator named Carl Unger, who claims that U-209 made it to Agartha, and the Earth is in fact hollow. This letter also mentions that the notorious German Jens... German Gens? I don't know what that is. I don't either. Uh, Karl Hosshofer and Rudolf Hess. Maybe who, maybe it's shortened from generals? Uh, I guess so. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Maybe shortened from genitals? I don't know. It says the the notorious. So there's this picture yeah. here, but it won't make, let me make it bigger. No, no. Notorious. Okay. There is ample evidence that the Nazis spent a lot of resources researching for Agartha and their last report from Hitler to escape in case of 
dire emergency was warranting these conspiracies. In fact, most common diagrams of Argartha were drawn, drawn by German scientists in 1935. Evidence huh. also exists that Nazis may have believed to have already lived inside of the Earth. Some experiments of the Third Reich show a belief the Earth was a concave shape and that we res- that we reside in the interior of a sphere. In a bizarre 1942 experiment conducted by Nazi scientists, Heinz Fischer on the island of Ringen, a team attempted to observe a British fleet by pointing the lens of their infrared equipment infrared equipment up at a 45 degree angle they believed that though the earth was concave normal rays were refracted off the ocean but infrared rays were not of course they saw only sky but this shows that they believed and searched for evidence of alternative earth theories interesting so and then they goes on to say there's proof in ancient cultures such as folklore and other diagrams uh, drawn by like ancient civilizations showing like um, that uh, other names for this civilization is Atlantis. Um, oh, bringing it all together now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence to show that this is a theory. I find it very far fetched. Oh, but it, yeah, it is of course. so intriguing how much information through the the centuries that there is, right? Um, and they all have a different take on it. So it could be something else, but they all kind of lead to the same conclusion that there's mm-hmm. this mystical land somewhere on earth. And I think, I think that's, it's, that's what makes it a, a, a fascinating theory is that it does span the entirety of human existence almost. Um, and because of that, it, it has almost a credibility to it, but it's also, it's also so far fetched that it's, it's, it sounds like it's almost entirely fantasy, right? Yeah, it really but it's, does. It, it does make it also really intriguing. I will say, um, I guess I could do this for another mind sweeper later. I can get more into it. But um, Atlantis never existed and it was never meant to exist. Just point that out. The, the story of Atlantis was an allegory done by Plato. Um, and it was never meant to like talk about a real physical place, kind of like... Everyone's familiar with Plato's, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are familiar with Plato's allegory of the cave. It wasn't talking about a literal cave. It was just, this is this is to tell the moral of the story, right? So Atlantis mm-hmm. was, essentially, Atlantis was the city on a hill. It had everything. Um, and that, you know, because of their great pride, they they suffered and, and were sunk into the ocean. I mean, I, don't, I haven't read it in a long time, but uh, that's another, you know, another one that Atlantis was never actually meant to describe a real place. But... Maybe, maybe that doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean there weren't civilizations that were yeah. lost that we don't yeah. know about. Just because the just because Plato didn't talk about it as a real place doesn't mean we might not actually find a place that was like that. No, he no. could have like even Atlantis back when Plato was around could have already been lost and was just a relevant fact. Like, hey, remember those Atlanteans? They were stupid and they killed themselves. Like, it, I'm yeah. gonna make a parable out of it. Yeah, it's possible. Like, like, remember them? They had everything. They were great. Remember, you took a vacation to Atlantis, didn't you, Jim? Yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah. And then what happened? Oh, well, me, they got- me and the kids got real summer in that vacation. Yeah, that's right. And, and we don't have anything. Do? We don't have sunscreen or aloe vera over here. So we're just kind of, I mean, two of them died. I mean, what were we supposed to do? I'm dying right now. I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm laying here. My arms are already falling off and the rest of me is going pretty Jim, quick. Jim, you've had a great life. You're 26. You're about to die. That's true. I lived longer than most. Lived way longer than my pa. That's right. So what did they do? They got greedy and they killed themselves. 
Yep. Remember, remember whenever Jesus made those people turn to salt and the, the city burned? That's what happened to Atlantis. Don't do bad stuff. All it's right. not at all the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I believe in science. Um, no, but donations. Remember, remember when Jesus turned people to salt and made the city burn? What was his name? Sertim and Gamerta? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's not <laughs> Sodomy and Gamorta. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, that's it. That is interesting, though. The theory, you know, the hollow earth theory um, it ties in well with uh, with Jules Verne, I think. And uh, maybe yeah. Jules, maybe good old Jules knew more than he was letting on. Um, I'll leave us off with this last um, uh, tidbit of information. If you all want to learn more, there's actually a website called OurHollowEarth.com, And it is about a book written by a man. Um, written by a man. Yep, good. He basically wrote a whole book on hollow earth and this website is very old, but it's basically a whole book dedicated to accounts and, um, how to find hollow earth. Like, um, he gives one example of this man named Olaf Jensen and his father, Jens, Jens Jansen. <laughs> Well, because if if he's if he has a Scandinavian, yeah, no, like if he's Scandinavian, it's like it's Jen's son is his last name. Like yeah, they don't have proper last names. Well, he's a Norwegian fisherman. Yeah, Norwegian. Yeah. So, so um, they accidentally discovered the polar, the North Polar opening in 1829 in search of the quote chosen ones, uh, one of their ancestors, and entered the hollow earth where they lived for two years with the giant people there. Olaf then returned to Sweden as a snowman. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I, I did not expect that, actually. Uh, he returned to Sweden by way of the South Polar opening after being rescued by a Scotland whale boat from an iceberg. His father was killed when their fishing boat was struck and sunk by the iceberg in Antarctica. Olaf later m- immigrated to the United States and died in Los Angeles in 1908. Um, there's actually a YouTube video and a recording off Olaf Jansen telling his story. Of how he lived inside the earth for two years. Can we hear some of this? Uh, let me see if it pulls it up. If it's still, yeah. Like, are we going to be able to get the audio in the podcast? It is a two-hour video. Two hours. Okay, yes. maybe not. But uh, well, if you want to delve deeper. It, it is on, uh, it is an entire audio book. It is called The Smoky God or A Voyage Journey to the Inner Earth. Written by... Um, Wilma George Emerson, an account of Olaf Jensen. Okay, go give that a listen. The give full that, book is on YouTube to listen to. The full thing. So, I mean, honestly, for me, like, I don't think that they're, I don't think it's real, but I kind of want to go on an expedition just to see what I see, you know? Honestly, I want to go to the North Pole. There's a lot about Antarctica I could talk about too, which yes. we'll have to get into another time. Another time. Um, like, there's a lot. Um, it's, it's interesting. And again, a lot of it is. These theories are just so crazy, uh, but they're so interesting just because of the sheer amount of information there is. Mm-hmm. Like other ones we've talked about are very, um, very now and very base level, whereas these ones have like histories of facts. Right. So it's interesting. But mm-hmm. that, that's all I've got. If you have any more info or any cool tidbits about Hollow Earth. Has anybody met these giants? Um, I'm talking to one right us? now. I'm one of them. You can talk to me. I, you know. Next time we'll talk about Hollow Moon. Yes, that's a real theory. Hollow Moon. I have heard that theory too, but we'll we'll talk about that next time. Um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, I was the equivalent of dropped off at the fire station for the Giants. You know, they were just like, ah, get rid of this the one. The New York Giants? No, no, the ones inside the earth. They, uh, that's probably where I was born. And they were just like, get rid of this one. And they just, you know, threw me threw me into St. Louis, Missouri, because that's like, to them, they're just like, eh, somebody will find them. Um, funny, funny thing, the Native Americans actually thought um, there was an entrance to Hollow Earth in the Missouri River. Really? At the at the peak of the Missouri River and from the mountain. That well, that's way easier from. to get to. Dude, let's go check it out. Yeah, they said like at the peak where the river starts, kind of from the mountaintop where all the snow yeah, flows. Yeah, from the Ozarks. Forms. Yeah, so they say there is an entrance there. So that's where he came from. Let's let's go on an expedition. Let's do it. To the Ozarks. And we'll call it a vacation so our wives will be willing to come along too. And we'll, we'll take be a gone camera. For, they'll come, stay in a um, nice hotel we'll, we'll be gone for we'll live, two weeks and then yeah. we'll disappear forever. and we'll live among the giants for the rest of our lives all right thank you guys for listening to the zach guys uh we will see you next time or you'll hear from us next time i guess yeah but we'll see you we'll we'll see you we're you won't see wa- us we're always watching but we'll see you always watching <laughs>